Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon to the audience. Uh, this is the Perkins Platform coming to you uh, again this month. We have a fantastic show lined up uh, this month on Urban School Board of Salt, Accountability and Sustainability. This month we have with us the chair of the Council of Urban Boards of Education, Minnie Forty Brown, and we have a special segment where we've invited a school board member from the Los Angeles Unified School District, Steve Zimmer. So welcome to my guest. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to just jump right in because this is we have a lot that we're going to talk about today. I really appreciate all of you uh, joining us uh, and uh, for our callers, uh, listeners, um, we have a call-in number that we're going to take some calls during this segment uh, where we have Mr. Zimmer joining us. Uh, the number is 347-826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029, and we'll take some calls if you are interested in uh, having uh, some comments or questions for Mr. Zimmer. Uh, so jumping right in, we know that in in both in Los Angeles Times and New York Times, Washington Post, there's a lot of attention recently given to uh, New York City's Mayor Bloomberg, this time not just about sodas and, and potato chips, this time about the fact that he gave a million dollars to an organization uh, in uh, Los Angeles that was uh, putting a slate of candidates uh, up for board, uh, for a board positions. And that million dollars, even though he's mayor of New York City, went directly to influence Los Angeles school board candidates. Steve was one of the candidates on the other side of the picture, uh, so that the, there was someone running against Steve that uh, was supported by this uh, million-dollar gift by Mayor Bloomberg. And so Right off the bat, I want to ask Steve, again, welcome, but I want to ask you, what is it that you are uh, doing out there in Los Angeles that would make the mayor feel like he needs to give money to someone to unseat you? Well, uh, first of all, Dr. Perkins, thank you so much for, for uh, asking me to be on. And, and I think you, you, you asked a question that I've been trying to figure out since the day it happened. Uh, it wasn't only Mayor Bloomberg. I mean, it, it was Mayor Bloomberg. It was Michelle Rhee. Uh, it was Rupert Murdoch. It was a, a long list of of, uh, of folks who uh, are, you know, no other way to say it, I mean, uh, among the ultra-rich uh, or the ultra-orthodox in terms of uh, school reform uh, in our nation. Uh, I was very surprised because I've been uh, on our board. I mean, let me, let me just first say I, I was, I'm a 20-year veteran teacher and counselor, uh, and I came right from the classroom to the school board. And, and on the board in my first term, uh, my role was try, really trying to bridge gaps and bring people together and uh, and hope to find some common ground uh, between the labor community and the reform community in the best interests of, of, of kids. And I think we had a degree of success. Uh, but whenever you're trying to bring folks together, there's compromise involved. And uh, I think I got pegged as the person who, uh, you know, kind of uh, had compromised too much. And uh, and so I was targeted. Uh, but I never really figured out. Nobody said, well, you did this or you did that. It was just a kind of a thing, well, we can't work with our teachers' unions at all, so we're going to get a slate of candidates who will shut them out. 
And uh, that's not what I believe. Uh, that's not my approach. My approach is that we include everybody in the process of transforming our district to improve educational outcomes for children. Well, you know, one of the things that was said in the New York Times was that, so this coalition that Bloomberg gave to this million dollars, um, this coalition was actually formed by your mayor in Los Angeles uh, with the express goal of helping to elect candidates who would support the current superintendent and the policy changes that he promoted. So what were the exactly, just briefly, some of those policy changes that uh, that they obviously felt you would not support? Well, the the first thing that's important to say is that, is that, that as in any campaign, uh, there, there's a narrative to the campaign, and and sometimes the narrative is a narrative of truth, and sometimes it's a narrative of fiction. And and there was a there was a fictional narrative that was built specifically around my campaign, and, and the narrative was that uh, if I was reelected, uh, I would vote to uh, fire John Daisy, uh, who was our superintendent. And uh, uh, interestingly, that's fiction. Uh, I've I've always. Uh, supported the superintendent and the superintendency. Uh, but okay, well, where do you think that came from? Where do, where do you think that? Where, well, that, uh, well, it's really kind of the second part of it, and that is that as a board member, uh, I you know I believe in the balance of powers, and uh, I reserve the right uh, to disagree with my superintendent on policy issues yes. as, as the policymaker, uh, as one of seven policymakers. And the critical issue uh, that, that folks have really uh, come after me on uh, is the issue of linking uh, student standardized test scores directly to teacher evaluation. And uh, uh, Dr. Daisy came up with a formula called academic growth over time that was solely based on the California uh, standardized test, uh, the, the CST, um, and uh, I oppose that. Uh, I oppose. Uh, I, I'm interested in multiple measures of student achievement. Uh, I believe you can't measure a student's growth uh, based on one high stakes test. And so there was a pretty public debate about that. And the interesting thing, and the reason why the narrative of the campaign story was fiction, is we actually reached kind of a nation leading compromise with our union that put student achievement front and center in the evaluation process, but had uh, nine discrete measurements of student achievement instead of one standardized test score. And so I think what some of the more orthodox members of the coalition uh, against me, uh, you know, interpreted from that was that this was a dialing back. Anything less than a direct linkage between standardized tests and teacher evaluations from that for them uh, wasn't good enough, and that's why they came after me. Right. Well, do you think that it has something, at least in part, to do with your former teacher, uh, veteran teacher? Yes. Uh, and that uh, the the teachers union backed you. Uh, yeah. Do you think is there some rhetoric uh, around that you are um, uh, in the pockets of the the teachers union uh, yeah. uh, that no matter what I mean what what is Yeah, I think, think I think that I think that that school board members in urban school districts uh, who want to work 
with their their te- you know with their teachers uh, and the labor union that represents them uh, always run the risk of being tagged that way. Uh, you know, again, uh, the problem with that argument was that it was fiction. Uh, my voting record actually uh, leaned more towards uh, a quote unquote uh, reformist voting record, uh, but. I always have my door open. Uh, I I absolutely believe that we can't get to um, true transformation of our urban school districts without our teachers. And uh, I believe that the investment that we make, uh, the president says, uh, on, on the economy, that the road that he seeks is sometimes a more difficult road uh, with more complications, but it's absolutely the right road. Getting to inclusive transformation, including our teachers and our labor unions, instead of fighting them at every turn, uh, is sometimes a more difficult road. But it will get us faster to a actual accomplishing of the type of change we all seek for our children. And so uh, I do believe that any any candidate or any incumbent board member who chooses to engage with our teachers' unions runs the same risk that I ran into. But the interesting thing, Dr. Perkins, is is that uh, with all of the money, I mean, there were like 24-hour-a-day radio, TV ads. We couldn't touch that in the money that we raised for my campaign. We still won. And uh, we won really by a very, very grassroots effort of parents and, 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 and teachers and classified workers and community leaders working together to kind of fight back against uh, the big money takeover uh, of, of our school district. Yeah, certainly not in, uh, an anticipated outcome. Uh, no, no. A million-dollar influx and certainly more than a million dollars with others yeah. uh, using their influence. Uh, those of you who are just tuning in, this is the Perkins Platform, uh, tackling issues of um, educational leadership around the nation. Uh, we have our, as our guest, Minnie Forty Brown, who is the chair of the Council of the Urban Boards of Education, and Mr. Steve Zimmer, who is a board member at the Los Angeles Unified School District, uh, talking about the assault on urban education and urban school boards uh, related to accountability and sustainability. We're asking if you have any questions, feel free to call in today at 347-826-9029. Again, the number is 347-826-9029. So I'd like to Brian, can I? Go ahead, Minnie. Brian, I just wanted to say something to Steve. Steve, I want to first say thank you for your courage. You know, school leaders or school board members have to be courageous enough to actually work for the interest, the best interests of children. That is exactly where we're supposed to be. And I think if we learned anything from the past campaign of our commander-in-chief, we know that big money is not going to always buy the election. We know that we now have um, uh, an electorate. We have, a, we, we have constituents out there that actually do believe that we have people who are trying to look at the best interests of a community. And as a grounded school board member, as a veteran teacher for over 20 years, you know, you know what kids need in the classroom. Multiple measures of a teacher's effectiveness definitely is what we need. We're not discounting standardized tests, 
because that's how we are measured. That's the measuring tool we have. But certainly other measures have to be inclusive in, in, in that in, in that evaluation. So I thank you for being strong and being courageous, and I thank the Los Angeles community for being smart <laughs> and understanding <laughs> that they need to elect people that have varying opinions. It's not your your school board membership is not to just um to to always be in line and in lockstep with the superintendent but to actually be in lockstep with what's in the best interest of all children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely and and thank you for jumping in there Minnie. I that was exactly um what it was uh, where we were headed was uh talking about these what it takes to be uh the one who goes up against big money, big interest uh, the, the the deep pockets, uh, and we know that um, it doesn't always turn out that way. And, and certainly, uh, in this case, uh, the money didn't win. Um, I do want to ask um, you to say a few words, and, and many please jump in on this as well, um, to talk about what do you think the national implications are now that uh, gifts of this size, and this is certainly in terms of what has been recorded, is the largest gift of this nature to a local board election. And what's happening out there in the the influential uh, partnerships that are going on among the wealthy and among um, even corporate and business leaders to say there are people we need to target and there are elections because you couldn't, probably couldn't be uh, farther away from New York City than Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. How, how, what are the implications of that? Well, well, well first I want, I, want, I want to thank Minnie as, as well. I mean, I think she, 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 she nailed it absolutely, and, and, and I appreciate uh, her support. And let, let, let me just say that uh, we all have to realize, those of us who believe in elected school boards, we have to realize that 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 check and balance that I referenced briefly in the one example of, of the teacher evaluation conversation, see, that check and balance between a superintendent and their school board, that uh, micro version of a separation of powers, is one of the most important uh democratic mechanisms we have to make sure that uh, our school districts are responsible and responsive and accountable to the real constituents of a uh, uh, of our district which are our children and their families and uh, elected boards have a unique role to play now, let me just be very clear, though, when I say that I think there are two implications of the national attention that this uh, this 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 board race uh, brought, and and uh, both for for me and Dr. Perkins, if y'all met me, you would realize I am not the person who you would ever think would garner any kind of national attention. You know, I am just a I'm a you know, I'm a public school teacher and activist become. A school board member. I'm a roll up your sleeves kind of person who uh, is not always extremely ideological. Uh, but I think that the, the implications of the national attention are this: that the idea of making sure you have a democratically elected board 
that that makes the policies of our urban districts is an idea that's under attack right now. And it's under attack, uh, I, I would say, after going through what I just went through, um, because for folks that seek a much more corporate or private sector model of running our schools, democratic processes are inconvenient, and they are they they take longer. But as I said in the evaluation conversation, by working with all of our constituencies and forging a compromise that will move us forward, we will actually achieve change. And we achieve that change without strikes, without job actions, and without disruption to our children's uh, education. And so I just think that the kind of the the the, the clarion call of, of what happened uh to me and, and to to my community and, and 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 the folks I just want to say as a side note, some of the folks who worked the hardest for me were folks who disagreed with me on particular issues. And they would say, you know, Steve Zimmer drives me crazy, but I will fight till the day is long to make sure that I have a board member that I can debate and argue with and is accountable to me, even if I disagree with him. And so that was a very, very powerful point in the the campaign. And, I mean, discourse is at the very bedrock of the democracy. Right. Without real discourse, uh, there is no democracy. So um, Winnie, I mean Minnie, sorry if they're Winnie. Minnie, please <laughs> uh, uh, jump in on this. Uh, um, what I wanted to, we've, we've seen, we're seeing this happen around the nation, and um, we can look at Nashville, Tennessee, just this past election cycle. We lost a veteran school board member because the mayor uh, came out in support of not the incumbent but a a, a new candidate and was all supported by uh, TFA and big business, and that's how that election was won. Uh, I don't know how much money was infused, but uh, our school board member had to raise a, a lot of money just to compete just to compete. She lost by, I think, like 244 votes. So the success was was minimal, but she's, but the newly the new person, the candidate, beat the incumbent because she had that kind of push on a national level. Down here in North Carolina, we are looking at it on a different level. We're trying to give, uh, there's a bill right now that's being going through our General Assembly that's going to give county commissioners the um, the power, and that's what this is. This is about power and greed. It's going to give them the power to decide what when buildings should be constructed, how those pick the architects, and actually decide where the buildings should be placed. Uh, so that's coming down the pipe. You know, once you give up one one piece, then one one wrist, then they come after the whole arm. Then it's the entire body. So the conversation about whether school boards are even necessary, whether we still mayoral control, whether you even need these elected persons to come, speaks directly to democracy, speaks directly to, uh, to, to not, having, not having an electorate participate in this process of, of educating children excellently. So uh, 
we have to fight this. We have to fight back with this. That's important that we do it, and we do it uh, on a national level. We can look at Prince George's County. What's happening right Absolutely. there? That's the so, same thing. The same thing. It's in, it's in all of our backyards. The people are coming. Yes. Absolutely, and so we we appreciate those words. And and Steve, um, I'd like to thank you for. Uh, calling in and joining us in this uh, very important conversation and just like to offer you some words of encouragement as a former school board member as well. Uh, we, we know that it's a thankless job at times, but uh, we, we didn't do it for that reason. So um, uh, best of luck to you as you continue to work on behalf of children in Los Angeles, and we hope to have you back on again sometime in the future. Uh, and so we we really appreciate your participation. So, uh, Dr. So Perkins, it was it, it was my honor, and and many always always uh, uh, an honor to be on on the radio with you, and and uh, look forward to working with you both in the future. Thank you, okay. Steve. Thank See you, you in San Diego. All right, bye bye. Yes, thank you. And and so um, to our listeners, uh, we have that are uh, just joining us. This is Perkins Platform. We're uh, talking. Uh, now to uh, Ms. Minnie Forty-Brown, who is the chair of the Council of Urban Boards of Education uh, on the Assault on Urban School Boards, looking at issues of accountability and sustainability. We just finished uh, a wonderful conversation with Mr. Uh, Steve Zimmer out in Los Angeles. And so now I want to shift and, and talk a little bit with you, uh, Minnie, about uh, what has been uh, a lot of criticism of board members, and here, and I've worked um, with several boards across the country uh, as a consultant, and I, I hear a lot of the attacks that are going on in the nation's newspapers, some of the uh, special interest magazines. Uh, you mentioned it just now. There's a lot of discourse about are school boards even necessary? Interestingly, that these conversations almost occur entirely around urban school boards. Tell me a little bit about what you think that's about, that, that the, the, the conversation is focused on urban school boards. You know, I want us to keep our conversation uh, real, real talk. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's right. in an urban district, we know that um, we have challenges. We have um perhaps the lowest-performing schools in our district. We have the most children, we have the most poverty, and we have the most mobility. That, those are the criteria that, that keep us urban. We have the most diversity. So when we talk about that, uh, to, to become an urban school board member means you know when you take on that task, you need to be ready for the fight. You need to arm yourself with um, as much policy development, reform development. You need to be a policymaker. You need to make sure you hire a great superintendent that's working on reform. And you need to make sure that you work toward improving achievement. Now, for, for many of our school boards, we are spending so much time bickering with each other. We aren't doing the work that we were sent there to do. And so it causes others to look at us and look to, to see if we are, in fact, if we are, in fact, necessary. When we get the data that we get, it is our job to make sure that the, we all talk about the data is the driver. It is our job to make sure that 
we get down and dirty looking at programs that have not been effective, getting rid of those, and putting in programs and people that will move the needle. It is about moving the needle. We must show our worth. That is important. We must show our worth. So I don't, I, I'm not going to um, sugarcoat what's happening in, in urban board leadership. We've sure, got to make sure that we are viable and that we are doing the work that we need to do because people are breathing down our necks to get right. to have charter schools, to go into other to go into other dimensions and take away the the actual power and control that we have over our own destinies. Absolutely. And and you know, there there are a lot of examples uh, that have been covered about when school boards go wrong and go yes. uh, awry. But we, we don't hear a lot about uh, effective, efficient school boards, and I, I know they're out there. They, they have and been, they are out and, there. And they are out there. And uh, let me just add effective, efficient urban school boards um, exactly. that are out there. Exactly. And, so we, we, and we those get are the ones that coverage. we have. Right, but they don't get a lot of coverage. And that's why when, when we talk about media coverage, we have to tell our story. See, we can't wait for the media to come and tell a story about what we're doing in our districts. We must be the ones that tell our story and tell it repeatedly and repeatedly. Every time there's something good going on in our schools, we need to make sure that we are, we are in the news. We need to make sure that we have the cameras on, that we're talking about the initiatives that we're doing. We're celebrating the fact that our children are successful because they are. We're, there are great things happening, but we know when... See, this is like old adage. When you get one negative thing, every, you will tell 12 people. But a positive thing, you only tell one or two. We've got to change that. We've got to change that. Urban districts have to tell their story. They have to sell it. And what I'm saying, that's part of the training. As an urban school board leader, we have to be trained to make sure that we tell what's happening good in our district. Only 5% of the priority schools are not doing well. So that must mean that ninety five percent of them must be doing all right. Right, right. And but well, we focus with, with on that, we you focus, know, the, the telling we, the story is one aspect of it. And you you also mentioned getting the training, having good policy uh, knowledge, hiring a good superintendent, and then allowing the superintendent to do his or her job. Uh, allowing the super thank you, Brian. Allowing the superintendent to do his or her job. See, we can't micromanage. We have to remember where the, and that's part of training, understanding where the board is. There's a difference between governance and management. And we, as a board member, we have to learn to govern and not manage. So that's, that's, that, and that's part of training. So the best thing that an urban board member can do is to make sure they are trained excellently to do their job. Yes. And, and with this, this negative publicity that happens, we know that one of the things that we, we have to be aware of is that you have to tell your own story, as you mentioned. Um, the other aspect of this is that uh, there are many who, who get the job as school board members, and they have agendas that are not always honorable agendas, but they have agendas that uh, – often don't have much to do with children. And so those get uh, put up front as the highlight of this is what's happening in urban education across America. 
uh, one such place that seems to be a hot hotbed of, of controversy is in the greater Atlanta area. As you know, yes. some years ago uh, that uh, there were members, uh, actually uh, members of, of the Council of Urban Boards of Education who were removed by the governor from Clayton County, Georgia. Uh, then even more recently, um, the governor um, had a, uh, a, a say in what happened in Atlanta with a huge report on the testing scandal there, board members left there. And then uh, just in the last few weeks, uh, the DeKalb County um, School Board, the, a, the governor removed DeKalb. So you could be standing in the center of Atlanta and draw a circle around about seven miles and touch in the last, since about 2005, three different school boards that had been plagued by mismanagement, and this is certainly not about, about one individual or a couple of individuals, but loss accreditation and others, is that you mentioned training. What kind of training uh, might be available uh, through your organization or others that would address this, where board members who are often uh, uh, members of the community have not dealt with huge numbers of huge amounts of money in, 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 in school board budgets. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars making decisions uh, that affect the lives of, of the future in their community, and they have not had that kind of responsibility before. What is it that can be done to prepare them for that kind of pressure and that kind of expertise that's necessary? I'm so glad you asked that, Brian, because the the mantra of the NSBA is with, from, and through. Yeah. With school boards together, from your... So it appears that uh, we have uh, lost Minnie uh, for a moment. Uh, hopefully she will call back in. Uh, but we are here at the uh, Perkins platform. Uh, those of you who uh, have just joined us, we are discussing urban school boards and the assault on urban school boards. Uh, the number for you to call in if you have any questions, 347-826-9029. Again, 347 Eight two six nine zero two nine. We've talked a lot about uh, school boards and uh, just in the matter of of what's going on out there. I want to, uh, as we wait on uh, many to come back on, um, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about what we've we've discussed today. Uh, for those of you just joining, we've talked about uh, the influence of money from the outside that has um, has been given. Uh, from uh, very wealthy to influence uh, board elections out in Los Angeles. But now what we're talking about um, has to do more with local politics and and how school board members have been, urban school board members specifically, have been put at the forefront of this argument about the 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 need to get rid of boards. And, and there are a lot of examples out there that have occurred that have to do with uh, mismanagement, financial mismanagement, um, uh, loss of focus and vision 
around uh, urban school board members being ousted uh, by governors in the in the Georgia area. Um, and so one such is the uh, about uh, five years ago or so was the Clayton County Board of Education, um, but also uh, the Atlanta public school system uh, with the the testing scandal, and then moving on to the uh, DeKalb County uh, School Board, um, where uh, members were were uh, dismissed most recently uh, for mismanagement. And so um, I think we have uh, I have many back um, on the line. Many are you there? I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know what happened. Yes, yeah, so that's okay. We uh, looks like the the call dropped, but that's okay. You're back with us now. So it's just catching our audience back up on where we are. And so you were you were talking about. Um, the the focus of training and 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 preparation by yes. national school boards association and the council of urban boards to prepare board members to be ready for their um, their their responsibilities uh, in in school systems. So please continue. Yes, and I was saying that at every national conference we have an orientation for new school board members, and sometimes it can even serve as a refresher for our our veteran school board members because sometimes you forget what it is you can and you cannot do. Can my cousin, can I actually participate in a, a, a contract and, and my cousin is the beneficiary of that? If you're a school board member, the answer is no because you have to recuse yourself from that from that entire contract negotiation. So there are things that sometimes we, we, we forget and I think – that may be some of the some of the slippage. I, I want to give my school board members down in Georgia, my my southern friends, the benefit of the doubt that that may have been some of the some of the kinds of uh, slips that they made when they talk about accountability measures and they talk about nepotism and they talk about those kinds of things because we don't remember. So if we always have to be refreshed on the rules and the regulations and those those guidelines that guide us in our fiduciary responsibilities, those things that keep us in line to make sure that we're doing our job the way that we should be doing it. Sure, so, sure. So and and it's, difficult, it's difficult with, with the way the press is reporting. You have to Almost admit definitely. that mm-hmm. And the way things are, are being reported uh, focus on – the things that go wrong uh, uh, throughout the course of a year. Now, we're not certainly not saying that it's it, it's it's not information that's worthy of reporting. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, it's just that that there's so there's so much more going on uh, in schools uh, that warrant um, our attention. Uh, that when when a few uh, bad apples, and I'm not talking about specific leaders. I'm just saying that as a as a group when there are uh, there's negative publicity that 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 spoils a lot of the good work that can be reported on uh from from uh the news media. Most definitely. And we have to we we understand that many times we're under the gun um because they people gravitate toward negativity. And so we have to make sure that whenever possible, at all times, 
try to make sure that we keep our noses clean and make sure that we mm-hmm. we focus on the positive and present that to our community. Remember, your constituents are your best allies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So our parents Absolutely. and our governing bodies, we have to make sure they know the story. They know they know the real scoop on what what happens in our schools. Absolutely. Um, I just want to uh, say to those of you who are joining in, may have joined in late, um, this is the Perkins Platform. We are um, discussing some relevant issues related to urban school boards and uh, accountability and sustainability. Uh, If you have uh, comments, questions, please feel free to call in. The number is 347-826-9029. We have 347-826-9029 as we head towards our home stretch in, in this conversation. We have uh, with us is Minnie Forty Brown, who is the chair of the Council of Urban Boards of Education, who uh, has been talking to us a little bit about um, her organization and what uh, they are doing to help prepare school board members in urban uh, communities to be uh, ready for the responsibility, the awesome responsibility of, of uh, the educational uh, enterprise um, one of the other aspects that it has received a lot of attention, uh, even in my community in New Haven, Connecticut, is the issue of elected versus appointed school boards. And um, you mentioned also, uh, many that there was there are a lot of efforts afoot to uh, unseat board members, not for mismanagement, but where there are business people in the form of county executives, uh, politicians as mayors who want control. And um, I am firmly a believer that um, as the economic crisis occurred in our country, leaders were faced, unfortunately, with the challenge of making budgets work. And whenever you're doing a budget analysis, you try to figure out where your money is being spent. And in our country, um, uh, as reported through the uh, uh, census and and other um, studies that have been done about where money is spent in in municipalities, that close to 30% in any community, any state, close to 30% of their budgets are going towards public education. And so where you see mayors and county execs wanting to get hold of the responsibility, this often has a lot to do with the money. And it has to do with um, saying that we can do this easier, we can do this cheaper than you can, and we are the financial uh, uh, experts and we can make this happen. And I'd like to hear a little bit from you about it. I, I think that the, the word of caution to communities out there about who are trying to move in this direction is that uh, it's not always about money and that we are preparing individuals in the form of our children to uh, be productive uh, uh, members of society. And they, you, it's hard to put a dollar amount on that um, because each year they come with different needs and different aspirations that have to be addressed. And so... Um, I do want you to tell us a little bit, Minnie, about your thoughts about this, this, this push for takeovers by mayors and by uh, county execs. 
I'm going to speak to just exactly what's happening down here in North Carolina. I just spent my morning over in in Raleigh at our um, legislature where we had um, one of the members of the Education Appropriations Committee actually send throughout the state and specifically to my district a pie chart justifying why this bill, Senate Bill 236, should be implemented in the state of North Carolina, which gives county commissioners the control over deciding construction uh, cost, capital um, costs for our school buildings and actually making those decisions. And he did a pie chart for us, and he said that, in fact, county commissioners tend to be more business people and that school board leaders tend to be educators, and therefore we should do things that deal with academics and dealing with children and let them do the business-minded things, deal with the contracts and deal with the capital outlay. And it it was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing (laughs) that he spent this amount of time actually taking, looking at the resumes of the members of my school board and the resumes of the members of my county commissioners, board of county commissioners, and actually delineating for us what he called justification for this Senate bill. And I, it, all I could think about was, my God, how 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 far have we come to 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 grab for control? Now that's what this is. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's control over who gets the contract. Now I want you to know that in Durham we have a minority uh, embedded in our contract a, a minority participation clause. So mm-hmm. it, it, there has to be a certain percentage. So see, does that go away if the county commissioners take over? Does that is, is, is that a part of it? Um, we school board members, because we have the most knowledge about what's happening in our schools, what our children need. We know when a school should be built, whether it should be K eight, whether it should, whether we should have a new middle school, whether we need a primary school, whether we need pre K. I don't think our county commissioners are able nor are our county commissioners in Durham willing to do that, but there are county commissioners around the state that are are biting at the bit trying to get hold of this Senate Bill 8 and get it packed, right. Senate Bill 36. You've made some excellent points, and and I, I just want to get in, because I, before we, we have to sign off here, I, I just really want to get in your to hear this from you, is that I agree with everything you said about, um, why they're doing it and how they're going about doing it. But it's just something confusing to me about the fact that I don't hear this about Riverdale, New York, or I don't hear this about Scarsdale or Greenwich, Connecticut, about whether or not the school board or the school committee should exist. I hear this about New York City. I hear it about Bridgeport and, and Stanford and others. Why is this debate about urban school boards. Because we are talking about a minority presence. We're talking about people of color who actually are making decisions, benefiting from from, uh, control in terms of making decisions that are in the best interest of children of color. Now, Everybody knows that my that urban districts are made of 
high minority presence, high mobility, and high poverty. So when we talk about money that is being funneled into districts that are seeking to educate minority children excellently, there are people who want to change that decision-making and change the decision-makers. Change the decision and change the decision-makers. All so right, well, Minnie, that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful right there. <laughs> that's a mouthful. So, look, we are out of time, and I cannot express to you enough how appreciative I am of having you on the show Ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, Ms. Betty Forty-Brown with us, who is the chair of the Council of Urban Boards of Education, and this is Perkins Platform. I'd like to invite you next month to uh, join us uh, for our next show, uh, which is going to be a show about what I've called the uh, Second Battle of New Orleans. So please join us next time uh, to hear more about that um, same uh, channel and uh, many uh, we really appreciate you, and we just like to um, invite you back at a later time. And so to our guests and our listeners, uh, next month, April 17th, uh, we will be here um, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, go well, stay well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.